Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm so Why? Just look at this. This is from The Big Lead, a major sports website. <laughs> what does that say? What does the article say? How tall is Nick Wright? Depends who you ask. Look at what they tweeted, man. I, for, I don't know why, but that picture makes it look like I'm like 5'4". You yeah, as someone, really you're almost 6'4". Yeah. How tall am I? Uh, about 6'1". Yeah, just, un, just under 6'1". But, and I shouldn't care about this, but I do care about this. I hate that people already thought I was short. And right. now, that picture's out there, I look like I'm 5'4". Wild tweeted, for the record, I'm 5'5 on a good day. I being wild. Oh, that's not great. <laughs> Cowherd saw it and responded, so happy to see my little friend, Nick Wright, smiling. <laughs> These ass oh, at the big lead, they do an investigation and they say their research says I'm somewhere from 5'7 to 5'11. And again, I know I sound like a jerk for all our 5'7 brothers out there. And I know I shouldn't care, but I do care. Like legit angry about it. Hey, just stand up at the end of the show. We'll do a back to back. That won't help because you're so tall and people don't know how tall you are. Yeah. The problem is for all they know, you're 5'10. I'm 6'3, like guys. I don't like it. Welcome in. It is episode 12 of the What's Right with Nick Wright podcast and YouTube show. As I ask you every week, please like, rate, subscribe, review, and check out our continuing series, special edition, released every Sunday on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform, the 50 best players of the last 50 years in NBA history. This Sunday, we will get to players, I think, 43 through 40, including an incredibly controversial player makes, uh, makes his debut and the single biggest snub from the NBA 75 list makes his debut. That coming out on Sunday. But right now, as we always do, we start the show by talking about what we're not talking about. So here is what did not make today's show. Not on today's show is George Carl and Boogie Cousins' Twitter beef. It's going to make the show a little bit. George Carl is the worst. He blew the 96 finals by not letting Gary Payton guard Michael. He's terrible on Twitter. Don't like the guy at all. There you go. It's in there. Coach K's grandson leaving Duke. Don't care about that. And the match, the latest golf match with Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. None of that made the show. There is no jacket rewarded for that, Demonze. It's just a charity thing. The yeah, only dude. reason we talk about golf is if Tiger's involved. However, I will now turn to Demonze, who might at some point today vacate that seat for a different family member for the first time in the 12 episodes we've done this. What are we starting with today, Demonze? Yep. As we know, you've already started your victory lap with Jokic losing, oh. a, losing oh. two straight to Golden State. Yeah. You clearly don't think he's MVP. Yeah. But he's going against the Warriors alone. Uh-huh. Uh, what's your problem with this guy? All right. You know what? I want to do this once and for all. Because by the, the next time we talk, the Nuggets might be done. They might already be eliminated from everything. So let's just blow out the rest of the rundown. 
Demonte, sorry about your prep about CP3's legacy and the maps in the finals. We're not doing any of that. Okay. We're just going to spend 10 minutes right now, and I'm going to give the cogent final Nikola Jokic take. Because I'm sick of this being misrepresented, and it is, I have the benefit of knowing with utter certainty, with every fiber of my being, that history is going to judge this opinion favorably. And so here's all I've ever said about Nikola Jokic over the last couple of years. He is an excellent player. No one can deny he is an excellent player. I have not denied he is an excellent player. However, I felt last year that he was being elevated to a place a step or two above where he actually was. Instead of excellent player, he was league MVP. And last year, I didn't like it, but I understood it. I, in fact, last year said he would be second on my ballot because LeBron got hurt, Embiid got hurt. I said I would have Chris Paul first. People wanted to give to Jokic. My general pushback was not just that I thought Chris Paul was better, but league MVPs in all of NBA history, with one glaring exception, are supposed to terrify their opponents in the postseason. I didn't feel like Jokic did that. You can call it a regular season award, but what also is true is the way we've been doing it for 70 years in this league. And Namanze, you know how much I care about this. I did a damn recitation of every MVP in order. Yeah. I think it's the most prestigious professional award in sports, NBA MVP. I think it matters. And when we're doing the rankings of players, MVP and top five finishes really, really matter. And I thought... Last year, Chris Paul deserved it. Instead, Jokic got it. And then, a great confluence of events, Chris Paul and Jokic play in the postseason. Chris Paul's unbelievable. They sweep the Nuggets, and Jokic gets kicked out of the final game. But I dealt with it. Guy who I thought should come in second came in first. It happens. You have bad MVPs given, right? Karl Malone won one he shouldn't have. It happens. But then this year is where it got truly bat crazy. Because this year, we changed all of the rules, literally and figuratively, for how we have done MVP voting since we the media's been voting for 40 years to make an exception for Jokic. So nobody that was a six-seed or worse had won MVP except for Russell Westbrook, and we'll get to him in a moment. Jokic was the six-seed all year long, and they were like, no, he has to be the MVP. And then... At the same, like, I'll give you a great example of why, to me, it had gone so crazy. Bill Simmons, who I have a lot of respect for, voted Jokic MVP. He also said on the same podcast that he said he's voting Jokic MVP, that he thought the Nuggets were the single worst team in the Western Conference playoffs. And I'm sitting here saying, guys, that's never how NBA MVP has worked, ever, where you could be the now back-to-back -back MVP, the best player in the league two years in a row, and everyone thinks your team stinks. This isn't baseball with Mike Trout. You're on the court 40-plus minutes. You play both ends. And the only response was, look at the advanced numbers. Look at the advanced numbers. They said I was an idiot if I said, listen, I think there's seven or eight guys in this league better than him. Still a top-10 player. But if, we're, if you're asking players, and at some point, players' opinions have to matter. Who, who scares you in the postseason? I think Giannis's name gets mentioned. I think Kawhi, when he's healthy, his name gets mentioned. Obviously Durant. Obviously Steph. 
obviously I feel LeBron. Well, did I? How how scary ahead. would those teams be if they were missing their second and third best guy? Okay, you know, how's he? He's not going to beat the Warriors alone. No, he's. You're right. He's not going to beat the Warriors alone. But at the very least, first of all, put up a good showing. Don't get ejected again. Have <laughs> fewer points, fewer rebounds, fewer assists. Your field goal percentage go down by ten points in the postseason. When Russ was the 16-1 MVP, it was a bad MVP. It was a bad vote. But that postseason, he went 37-12-11. and 11. He yeah. had a 50-point triple-double. They won a game, and three of their losses were by six, four, and two points. He at least was competitive. But it's not one MVP. It's a back-to-back MVP. And a back-to-back MVP should never be an underdog in round one. It's never happened. Well, the, yeah, LeBron won back-to-back MVPs sure. in 2009 and 2010. Mm-hmm. Everybody gave him the excuse that, you know, he didn't have anybody. No, but so that's, so first of all, that's not true. And second of all, they didn't lose in round one. <laughs> it, it, the, so let's go over guys who have won back-to-back MVPs and we'll go through it. Wilt and Russell did it, okay? That was a thousand years ago, all-time great players. Kareem did it. Guess what? Kareem won a championship before he got his second league MVP. After Kareem did it, Larry Bird won three in a row. He wanted, he had won multiple championships before he got his second MVP. After him, Magic Johnson did it. Magic Johnson had won multiple championships before he got his second MVP. After him, Michael Jordan did it. Michael Jordan had won a championship before he got his, the year he got his second MVP. After him, Jordan did it uh, just once. After him, Tim Duncan did it. Tim Duncan had won multiple championships before he got, or when he got his second MVP, won a championship in 99, got his MVPs in 02 and 03. After him, there's Nash. Nash is the bad one. Nash is the one that everyone regrets now, and yet they're doing the same thing with Jokic. But at least Nash, that team won 62 games and made the conference finals, and the next year won 50-some game and made the conference finals. They weren't out in round one. Then LeBron did it. LeBron, first of all, had made the finals before he won a second, before he won any MVPs, because he made them in 07. They, the first year in 09 when he won MVP, they lost in the conference finals in six to Orlando. He averaged 38, nine and nine in that series, 38, nine and nine, and he got crushed for losing. The next year when he won MVP again, he, that, that was the series against Boston when they lost in round two, and he was called an all-time choke artist. They said he quit on the team in game six. Game six, by the way, he had, I believe, 28, 18, and 12, and they said he quit. That was his final game with Cleveland. He then left. So again, let's go. The next guy to win back-to-back MVP, Steph, he already had a championship in the bag when he won his second one, and then there was Giannis. Giannis, by the way, got crushed for the second year that he won MVP. They lost in round two to Miami even though the previous year he had carried him to the conference finals. All of these guys had real championship expectations, no matter the supporting cast. None of them were round one losers. And the ones who didn't deliver and hadn't delivered got incredibly criticized for it. I am now being told that it is unfair to say, hey, Nikola Jokic, be better. People are like, oh, you're holding him to an unfair standard. He's the god dog. 13th player ever to win back-to-back MVP. The, if we were listing the guys other than Jokic and Nash, 
Oh, I left out Moses Malone, by the way, on the back-to-back MVPs list. He had carried a team to the NBA Finals before he won his second MVP. But if I am listing out the worst back-to-back MVPs ever, other than Jokic and Nash, the worst one is Moses. The second worst one is, is it Duncan? Might be. Is it Steph? I guess. Everyone told me all year I was a caveman for not putting Jokic in that tier. And then he falls on his face, and everyone's like, oh, what do you expect from him? To be better. To be better. And people are like, oh, well, listen, the Warriors are the better team. That's why we don't give MVPs to six seeds. Because you are playing a better team. The the path we're walking is a path that leads to why isn't Trey Young in the MVP conversation? He scored more points than he won in basketball all year. He had more assists than he won in basketball all year. His team won mid-40s in games. Oh, nobody can blame him for them losing. They're the nine seed. They stink. That's just... So, yeah. Is Jokic allowed to be awesome without having to be an all-time great? I mean, like, he's no. 27. Can we let his career pan out a little bit more? And the answer to that is yes, if he wasn't the back-to-back MVP. By being the back-to-back MVP, it is demanded that you play like an all-time great because that is the group you're in. You are in that, and that all I'm doing is holding him to the standard that his defenders have claimed he's in all year. The most vocal Jokic defenders have said the following things. And I know we're spending the whole first segment on this topic. We're going to go over time just a little bit. They have said he is the greatest passing big man ever. I, I think Bill Walton have something to say about that. Arvita Sabonis maybe even, but fine, give him that. They told me that if you, if you care about the numbers, he just had the single greatest individual season in NBA history. Player efficiency rating the highest ever, one of the highest BPMs ever, the first ever 2K, 1K, 0.5K guy, which is not a thing we've ever cared about before, but with Jokic, <laughs> we did. Like, so if, if I were on television arguing that, you know, as people were 15 years ago, that LeBron just had the greatest, and people weren't arguing this, the greatest season ever, he would not be allowed to then lose in round one. And, the, and the, the, this other thing that happens here with Jokic is it's a weird spot where it's like, well, he doesn't have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. I, listen, Michael Porter Jr. might one day be good. He is a great high school prospect. His back injuries, he's, he's, he's had a good playoff moment, some bad playoff moments. Jamal Murray is a good player. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are not good enough to be the difference between a team being swept in round one and championship favorites. And if you are the back-to-back league MVP with a mediocre supporting cast, you should be championship favorites. LeBron was, he didn't deliver, and then he did when he went to Miami. Uh, Giannis was, he didn't deliver, and then he did. Steph was, all the other guys delivered. And so it's just unbelievable to me. And it's the same It's the same don't trust your eyes and don't trust the players. The players show you and tell you that they don't fear this guy. And one other thing about Jokic this postseason, then we move on. Draymond Green's one of the greatest defensive players ever. He's also 6'7". Nikola Jokic is almost 7 feet tall. Jokic is like 6 for 28 with Draymond guarding in this series. Has a half dozen turnovers and just got kicked out of the game because he was so frustrated by it. I, I have seen Draymond Green 
in playoff series against guys who are actually in the discussion for best player in the league. Saw him against Durant in 2016 before Durant joined him. Durant got him. He got Durant. Then Durant, uh, he got Durant at the end in the 3-1 comeback. I saw him in four finals against LeBron James. LeBron got his. The Warriors won most of them. LeBron got his. I saw Draymond against Kawhi Leonard when Kawhi was healthy. Yeah, Kawhi had to work for it. Kawhi got his. The idea that Jokic is that caliber of player, which is what he must be now. And we're like, no, you're being too harsh. There is no too harsh. And here's the last point. People say all the time, ah, the MVP, you know, it's an important award, but, you know, Shaq only has one. And I don't know if you knew that. Shaq only has one MVP award. And Kobe only has one MVP award. And right now, Chris Paul has zero and Joel Embiid has zero. You know what would have fixed that? if Steve Nash and Nikola Jokic never won it. Because in 05, second place was Shaq. God damn. How much longer can you talk about this dude, man? Falling asleep over here. I mean, he's got to be done here pretty soon. I mean, we've ended the segment about five minutes ago. And this year, it should have been Joel Embiid if you want to make sure everyone gets one. Could have been his first. Instead, Joel Embiid, Chris Paul, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant combined have two MVPs. And Nikola Jokic and Steve Nash have four. And I'm the ass for saying it's wrong. I'm, I, the burden of proof is not on me. And the Jokic fans, and then we can wrap up, it's like trying to prove a negative. If the Nuggets won this, look, were competitive, or won this series against Golden State, they would say, see, our guy's amazing. They're getting blown off the court, and their answer is, see, his team stinks. <laughs> No matter what, they were going to say, we were right. We've, we've awarded MVPs one way for 40 years. It has rewarded the greatest players in league history with a, with a Nash mistake and now a Jokic mistake. All right, I'm done talking about it forever. Until next year, when I'm told, oh, you got to give it, have you seen his PER? Got to give him three in a row. Him, Larry Bird, Wilton Russell, the only guys do it. Got to give it to him. We'll be right back. <laughs> What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. I didn't know Steve Nash won it over Kobe and Shaq. That's actually kind of insane. But at least Nash's team was a championship contender. Yeah. The only guy they gave it to that wasn't a championship contender was Westbrook. 
And Westbrook, I thought it was a bad MVP in real time, but people were amazed by the triple-double averages. But at least Russ then, in the playoffs, showed out. He's like, okay, I was the MVP because I averaged a 30-point triple-double. Here, He only played five playoff games that year because they lost in five to Houston. And what Russ did in those five playoff games were, game one, they got blown out by 31. He had 22, 11, and 7, and he got crushed. The next four games, they lost by four, they won by two, they lost by four, they lost by six. And here's what Russ did. 51, 10, and 13 in a four-point loss. 32, 12, and 11 in a two-point win. 35, 14, and 14 in a four-point loss. And 47, 11, and 9 in a six-point loss. You can't say, well, you know, he should have done more. Now, it was a bad MVP. You shouldn't have given it to him. But at least if Jokic was out here doing what he did all regular seasons, like, yeah, he had 38 points on 18 shots, nine assists, and they lost a close one, I'd listen to it. Instead, he has 25 points and gets thrown out of the game. All right. So we finally talk about something different. Oh, we're still, yeah, absolutely. Moving I mean, on. we only did 20 minutes on that. Sure. Yeah. yeah are we going? This is the B block. All right. We're going to start the B block. All right. Let's go. What are we starting with? Uh, Suns lost game two to New Orleans. Yeah. Devin Booker left the game with a hamstring injury. So this is concerning. But before D-Book left, New Orleans was hanging in with him at home. Yeah. Or on the road, should I sure. say. Yeah. Uh, is this just one game or is this the start of another CP3 playoff collapse? I don't think this is, listen, losing to the Pelicans, even if Booker never comes back, would be a collapse. Yeah. <laughs> the Suns got to be able to get through the series, even if Booker never comes back, and I think they would. Uh, I also think it's worth noting that we never talk about this until it happens. But more often than not, the playoffs are at least partially defined by an injury. Yeah. The last handful of years, 2015, Kyrie Irving goes down game one of the finals after Kevin Love already went down, and it changes everything. 2016, pretty clean. The biggest injury is probably Andrew Bogut in game five of the finals. 2017, it, there weren't any super significant injuries other than, I guess, well, one could argue Kawhi uh, when Zaza put his foot underneath him, but I don't think anyone was beating that Warriors team either way. 2018, Chris Paul. They're up 3-2 on Golden State. Chris That's Paul pulls his hamstring. Alone. They lose the next two. 2019, KD blows his Achilles. And the Rap, you know what I mean? That's the right. biggest reason the Raptors won other than Kawhi's excellence. 2020 was pretty clean, but that's probably because you had the stoppage mid-year. Guys got healthier. Right. And last year, there was, oh, Anthony Davis. Well, Anthony Davis goes, they're up 2-1 on the Suns in round one, dominating the th series. Anthony Davis goes down. Yep. And then it, the Lakers never win again. They're never the same. Suns go to the finals. So this happens. And I think the two best players in the Western Conference this year were not Nikola Jokic, but Luka Doncic and Devin Booker. And Luka got hurt in game 82, and Booker got hurt in the second game of the playoffs. So you do have to, you have to be able to overcome that in round one. And, and the Mavs, yeah. you know what I mean? Like in, it's tougher for the Mavs because they're not a great team. They have a great player. But I believe the Suns will still handle the Pelicans. What's most interesting to me is, does this raise or lessen the likelihood that we maybe see Zion? Zion back in New Orleans, can he give them 15 minutes? I don't know. But I think the Suns should be fine. But the Suns need Booker fully healthy to deal with the Mavs in round two. Right. I don't think they can beat the Mavs in round two without Booker fully healthy. You know I think the Mavs are going to win. But, or, oh, Scott Foster's in the show? Yes. Tell me. CP3 has lost 14 straight playoff games officiated by Scott Foster. Yeah. Is this a coincidence? Okay. So I want to be very careful here because I don't want to get sued. 
But here is what we know. And I don't know why no one talks about this. And I don't know why the NBA looked the other way. The NBA, 15 years ago, had a true scandal. There was a referee named Tim Donaghy who was betting on games, convicted of this. Nobody doubts it. He denied, He doesn't deny it. Now, he'll deny certain aspects of it, but they had a crooked ref. He said, I wasn't swinging outcomes. I was just swinging totals, but regardless. During the time period, Google this, America. Pause the podcast and Google Scott Foster, Tim Donaghy, phone calls. I'll do it right now, and I will read you the first result again because I don't want to get sued on this, but this is it's amazing that this is not discussed. The records show Donaghy placed 134 calls to referee Scott Foster, more than the 126 calls Donaghy made to his bookie between October of 06 and April of 07, the period during which he has confessed to betting on games or passing on game information to gamblers. So you had a ref that we know is crooked, who seemed to amazingly, all the time, call this other ref who was also refing games. That ref is still refing games. He's a well-respected ref, which is maybe why no one talks about this. He also, oddly enough, 14 straight times that he has officiated a game involving Chris Paul, which crosses multiple teams Chris has played for, Chris's team as well. It, I don't love how it smells, is uh, I guess my point on this. Yeah. I, I can't prove anything, and again, I think I'm clean there. But the Donaghy Foster thing always struck me as, how is he still refereeing? And now that 15 years later, they, he seems to have some bias against Chris Paul, and they've lost 14 in a row. It strikes me as at least, uh, I, yeah, it gives me a little bit of pause. All right, let's have fun. Let's play a little two rights, one wrong. What are we doing first? Two wrongs, one right. Two wrongs, yes, one sir. right. All right, well, I already got that one wrong. All right, what are we doing first? Kyrie's 50K fine for his behavior in Boston is appropriate, too harsh, or not harsh enough. No, I think it's right. I, I think that they, I think 50K is the most you're allowed to find a player for an individual act like this. Right. Um, I, I I don't have a general problem with players going back at fans as long be on a moral ground, as long as they understand they are going to be held to a different standard than the fans. Like the fans aren't going to get in trouble at work, but they are at work. And what I don't love from Kyrie on this was Is what he was saying after the fact. What he was saying after the fact, like what about the hostility? What do you mean? Who says it was hostile? But not just that. The idea, the Boston fans are particularly harsh on Kyrie. I get that. But there have been plenty of fan bases that have gone after individual star players over the years. And most guys recognize as much as they want to go back at them, they can't. Right. And if they do, that's fine. I don't see Kyrie complaining about the fine. I am very interested. We are recording this before game two. I'm interested what happens if he does it again. Because. Oh, you, you think he'd. You don't think it's on the board that he that he does it again? No, I, I mean I I'd be amazed if he did, but oh. I I don't I didn't think he. I do mean, that. if he does it again, I wonder if they. I don't like think they would suspend him, but I, you, the money I don't think is going to matter that much. So I'm very curious to see, to, and you guys will have already seen it by the time you're hearing this. All right, what's next? Uh, the Bucks say they're not worrying about the Tom Brady and Dolphins rumors. Yeah. Having said that, after this season, Tom Brady will. Retire, resign with uh, Tampa Bay, or own and play for Miami. 
All right, the first two are 0%. After, Tom Brady is not retiring anytime soon, and I don't think there's really any chance he resigns with Tampa. I think he knows they're done. Okay. The, so my answer would be the third one, but I just don't know if it'll be Miami. I don't know if he's going to go to Miami. What, like, right, what? Buy any team. Well, try to be ownership part of any team or go play. What if San Francisco, the team he wanted to play for years ago, what if Trey Lance doesn't work out? Like Brady's going to be a true free agent where he can go anywhere he wants. So I believe Brady is going to keep playing for years and years. I don't believe it's going to be in Tampa. I'm not certain it's going to be Miami. The other possibility, I don't think it's likely, but what if Tua balls out this year? Miami's like, we've got our guy. He's young. He was our top five pick. I don't think that's going to happen. But I, I don't, we can't. It's Tom Brady at the end of the day. Yeah, but no, that is true. So maybe they would just move on from him. But I think Miami, there was a lot of things going into it that made it right for him this offseason that won't necessarily be right for him next offseason. All right, what's next? Okay. Jordan Poole and Tyrese Maxey are zero future stars, one future star, or two future stars. All right. So I'm very confident in Maxey. And I think Poole is in the best situation possible. If you're going to be a perimeter scorer shooter, what is a better, you know, cauldron to learn in than the Warriors with Steph and Clay? Maxi was a five-star kid coming out of high school, top 10 pick. College is one of your college didn't go the way people hoped it would, so he fell in the draft. Right. But he is a star. So I believe... I don't think either will ever be superstars. I don't think either will. People get throw around superstar a little too lightly. MVP candidate. He's looking nice. He's looking nice. I think I think his ceiling is all-star. And I think Tyrese Maxey's ceiling is all-star. So, like, I think for both of them, the absolute ceiling is a, this isn't a perfect comp, but a Donovan Mitchell type of play. You know what I mean? Like, the could be the best player on a team. But if he is the best player on a team, he can't win a title. You're in really good shape if he's your second best guy. The interesting thing is, is, is Maxi already the Sixers' second best guy? With the way Harden's been, he might already be <laughs> their second best guy. All right, what's last? Uh, Cooper Cup doesn't care about having the largest wide receiver contract. Yeah. <laughs> he is a team player, a bad negotiator, or is he bluffing? Yeah, I think he's bluffing. I I the I can see it. Listen, I, the the media loves running with the story of particularly how do I put this gently? Players that look like Cooper Cup, that they are just <laughs> selfless team first, don't care about the money. They'd play for free if you would let them. See what Cooper you're doing Cup there. Cooper Cup just had one of the greatest wide receiver seasons ever. His team won the Super Bowl and they won the Super Bowl because on the final possession finally started going to him. Right. And he won him the Super Bowl. He's been underpaid. We are also living in a world where the wide receiver market is exploding to unprecedented levels. Uh, he certainly has a case that he is the best receiver in football. And the best receivers in football now make almost $30 million. Now, do I think there's a chance because they like LA? Do I think do I think he is going to force the hand of, I need to be the highest paid ever? I don't necessarily think that. Just like Mahomes, by the way. That's a for, thing. They just want to, at this point, they just want to be the highest paid in their position ever. Like, oh, that's, that's almost like a, always how it works. Like the next guy, like the agent starts the negotiation with the team as, okay, the highest paid is Tyree Kill. 
So my guy needs the negotiation starts at a dollar more guaranteed and a dollar more total. That way, because the agent wants to be able to say, I got a record breaking contract. The player, and so that makes okay. I was thinking of it in like the the wide receivers, the wide receivers had not the agent. No, that's and that's so uh, the, yeah, so that the Tyree Kill thing, first the Devontae Adams, then the Tyree Kill thing screwed up the wide receiver market for a lot of teams. Yeah. Like Devontae getting the deal he got. I think that's one of the reasons the Chiefs ended up having to trade Tyreek because they were going to give Tyreek a new contract. But then Devontae's deal was so off the charts, they didn't have to top that. So do I think Cooper Cup's going to make them? You, you sometimes do get, like the Chiefs got with Mahomes, a bit of a just won the Super Bowl, want to keep things together discount. Right. But that discount doesn't mean it's significant. It means like 8%. Means like instead of making twenty nine million a year, I could see him making twenty seven million a year. No so problem. I think for the most part he's bluffing. I believe, however, and I'm not bluffing on this. We have a very special guest, our first guest, and it's not Lil Wayne, but he will be on the podcast. He just told me so. Our very special guest joining us to finish up the show. That's next. What's up? Warmer, sunnier days are approaching, so fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factor will help you meet your wellness goals just in time for summer, thanks to a vast menu of chef-crafted, never-frozen meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These fresh meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Variety? They have that. Factor has 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. Working on wellness goals? Factor has you covered with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. How do they taste? They're delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious, and delicious options. What about quality? Each Factor meal is restaurant quality with premium ingredients like filet mignon, blackened salmon, and shrimp. So start spending less time in the kitchen now because you don't have to shop, prep, cook, or clean up. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 and use code nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code nickwright50 at factormeals.com slash nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay. Uh, you got any warrants or anything you got to worry about? You're going to show up. I have several. Several? That's what I figured. Uh, you just want to get started? Go ahead. All right. So welcome back in. In my son's place now, instead of Demonze, is none other than my grandfather-in-law, Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones, granddaddy, good Nick. to see you. How are you? I'm doing good. So I got a question for you. Shoot. When you first met me 14 years ago, did you ever think you'd be sitting here doing a little YouTube show with your old grandson, Nick Wright? The answer, no. No. What did, can I tell the story of when we first met? Go ahead. Okay. Do you remember? No, I'm too old. Oh, you remember. Uh, so I came to Sacramento. Yes. 
And Danielle, your granddaughter, told me we need to go see grandmother and grandfather. And we need to get there early. So we got there at like 7.30 in the morning. And grandmother was cooking. And I came in the kitchen. And, you know, I, I talk loudly. Would you agree with that? Yes, indeed. And we hadn't seen you yet. And then you came out of like a back room. The bathroom. The bathroom. That's correct. And how would you describe your, your uh, clothing situation? I would still get, just get out of bed, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you were, uh, you, you were, I think, shirtless and coming out. And do you remember what you said to me? I said, who the hell is this white boy in the house? And <laughs> <laughs> you actually said, who is this John Brown white boy making all this noise in the house? <laughs> yeah, that, that is exactly what happened. Then, and I introduced myself, and then you said, I'll be right back. And then you went back to your room and you got dressed. And then you asked me a, a question. And it was about insurance. Do you remember that part of it? No, I don't. Okay, you, you, tell, you can tell the audience if I'm lying. I had just met him. Danielle and I had been together for six, seven months, but we knew we were getting married. And so I really wanted to impress her grandparents. So her grandfather, who's always been, you know, an imposing figure, but this is 15 years ago. So you were, you know, you were in your prime. You're in your mid-70s 15 years ago. So you're even more of an imposing figure. You say, uh, do you have life insurance? You remember that? No. Okay. Well, you do. He, yeah. Your grandmother is sitting over there remembers it. You said, do you have life insurance? And I said, yes, sir, I do. And then you said, is my granddaughter a beneficiary? And I said, yes, she is, which I don't even know if it was true. And you said, perfect. I'll be right back. And you called me outside and you had a ladder up against the side of your house <laughs> and giant hedge clippers. And do you remember what you made me do? Yeah. What did you make me do? Go up the ladder and trim a tree. Yeah, they, their direct TV wasn't working. So he had me climb the ladder in the most unsafe fashion imaginable with these giant hedge clippers. Wait, are you leaving us? Yeah. You can't no. leave yet. <laughs> you can't leave yet. The most unsafe fashion possible to trim the tree. But now, oh, he's fixing the mic. But now, let's be honest, 15 years later, I'm, I'm probably your favorite non-blood relative, correct? Correct. Oh, yes. Oh, that's going to cause a lot of drama over in Sacramento. It's going to cause a lot of drama. Did you ever, I mean, since your days in the military, have you ever had this much affection for, as you put a white boy? No. No. Yeah, it probably didn't see that coming. No. No. This is one of the greatest people I've ever known. He is, been, how long have you guys been married? 60? Close. Close to 60. 59 years. 91 years young. Mr. Abram Jones. Granddaddy, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good to see you. Goodbye. She's on the life insurance now. Am I on yours is a better question. All right, we'll see you guys next week. No. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>